Good morning and welcome to the Prodigy Outdoor Podcast. It's actually 4.30 a.m. I am on the way turkey hunting this weekend. And I meant to talk about my first weekend, and uh, I guess I'll just add in yesterday, my first weekend, first season turkey hunting in Iowa. And um, I I was kind of getting frustrated kind of worried because I didn't really have anywhere close to home to hunt turkeys. Uh, some of my, my deer hunting spots, I could hunt turkeys there, but I have not seen any sign of them. Um, and, and in addition, you know, this is what I think separates people from hunt that, that just go hunting and, and from the true hunters is I don't think there's that many turkeys around in my area uh, in a significant amount to go shooting them um i i just i just don't see them and maybe it's just the terrain maybe it's just i don't see them i don't know but so long story short uh, a gentleman from the gym gave me permission to hunt his father's place it's two hours north and i gladly took the drive up there to clayton county iowa um it's a very interesting piece of property and uh, I look forward to hunting it more in the future. Although the turkeys were roosted on the neighbors on one side of the property, and they flew down on the other side of the river. Now, this is the Volga River, and so it's not just like, hey, let's just cross the creek here, and they'll be in my decoys. It's uh, it's actually a pretty big body of water flowing through there. Uh, Secondly, another set of birds was roosting on the property, but this uh, slope that goes down to the river, it's just a big bluff. They were actually roosting on it and then pitching down across the river into the neighbor's field. So unfortunately, I didn't get anything going off the roost. A Tom from the south or I don't, maybe he crossed the river and back up towards me, but I worked a bird at about eight o'clock, 8.30 in the morning on opening day or opening weekend rather. And um, he started screaming and I thought for sure that he was going to come in and I'm bow hunting turkeys out of a blind. Um, I'm, I'm as mobile as I can be. You are just limited to, and I, and I thought about this yesterday, you know, I'm filming these hunts. I'm, I'm hunting with a bow. I'm filming out of, I'm hunting out of a blind. You know, I've got three things against me right off the bat. You know, turkey hunting is all about being mobile and getting into position and when you're bow hunting turkeys uh and filming all these things that start adding up and going to places that i've never been i'm like dude give yourself a little little tiny break you know i mean there's going to be a learning curve uh, anywhere you go there's going to be a learning curve just getting back into turkey season you know nobody really you don't really get too prepared i feel like for turkey season it's just it's just kind of there and you go it's not like deer season where you practice and your stands are set and there's heavy scouting and there's trail cameras involved. And so I, I, I'm just, you know, I, I, I had a great hunt. This bird came up to the fence. He's about 40 yards up on the other side of the barbed wire fence. And it was good to see him react to the decoy. Uh, unfortunately, it was a negative reaction. He didn't like it. Um, he was excited and gobbling and he went back into like more of a feeding kind of manner i think that he might have been a subdominant bird I, I don't know you know we could sit here and speculate all day but it was a good encounter 
it wasn't what I wanted. You know, right now I want um, a specific turkey that's going to come into the decoys and, and you know, be a really close-range shot. Under 20 yards, probably more than likely under 10 yards. And that's just what I personally want. You know, I know that if I was to go out and take a gun with no camera, I could kill a turkey almost no problem. And so I'm just adding a little challenge to myself, and that's always good. Um, the second day, I drove back up there. It's two hours one way. Um, now, I had some things to take care of back home, so I did drive home, and then I drove back the next morning. I set up down the river where I heard those other birds gobbling, and um, I guess they kind of already told the part of the story where they actually were on the other side of the river. But I will say that this valley here that I was in, this bottom uh, river land type deal with the bluffs around it really echoed and amplified the noise of the gobbles. And so that was just something to be a part of. I wish any everyone could have heard the intensity of their gobbles that were magnified by the river bottom there and the bluffs i mean they they sounded closer than they were they sound louder than they you know it's just really cool to have to see how that sound travels there and so um it was a great hunt we packed up you know they were on this other side of the river i didn't think it was worth waiting them out i mean that's like i said there was some tracks on our side of the river um, obviously, I worked that one time, but I was on the far side of the property. We packed up, went, went to some public land, and had a bird going there. You know, we spooked some, some hens. I thought that was kind of weird to have some that many hens just by themselves, and they were all hanging out in the CRP. Uh, I don't know if it was, like, looking for bugs or just, I don't really know, but um, they we spooked the four hens. I thought, you know this place has to be loaded with turkeys. So heard a couple gobbles and, um, that was it. So yesterday I was off from work. I drove back all the way, all the way back up two hours to the public land. I had an idea where I was going to set up, but again, I have no idea the actual terrain, the topography. I'm basically going, Hey, I think this is a good spot. I think, I think, I think, and it got daylight, and I had a bird just hammer gobbling off the roost. And, you know, he actually didn't gobble too early in the morning. It was actually pretty light out when he started gobbling. Um, I thought that was interesting that they took that long to gobble off the roost. But he was the only bird I could hear that was within a good distance. And uh, he pitched down, and I was in this this field is like kind of like the shape of a thumb. It's kind of got a, a more round back end there it's not really squared off and it's I sat up up, up along you know the longer side I you know I'm like, hey this is a good spot right and so basically I well I didn't want to get down right in the corner of the field because it sounded like he was right in the corner and I I just felt like we were right I had a good line on him and he was just okay he's gonna fly down he's gonna come up uh, along this grassy slough, he's going to see the decoys, you know, I'm about 80 yards from this corner, I didn't want to get too close, and, um, you know, he flew down, and he started screaming, I mean, gobbling 
I don't, he must have gobbled, and I would. I wish I recorded the whole thing. He, he literally probably gobbled a hundred times uh, that morning. Um, not even at my calls, just gobbling. And so when I did call, he got fired up even more, and I was thinking he was coming. I could hear him spitting and drumming pretty good. I mean, the, like I said, the sound just travels up here in northern Iowa. I don't know why I said up here because I'm actually down in southern Iowa or southern Illinois right now. I'm on the way. It's uh, 4.45 a.m. I'm headed to across the river from Keokuk to go film for uh, a, a friend of mine. He owns a company website, shootingtime.com. They've got uh, articles, information, tuning information, some product reviews, you know, looking to get that built up more. But it is a good avenue for people to look into. Uh, you know, I have an article on there about turkey hunting, some reviews. He's got several articles on bow tuning, arrows, a couple guys on there writing about traditional archery, etc. But, um, you know, so... I, uh, I sat up on this bird, and he shuts up. And I said, okay, I'm going to let him go away. I'll reposition, and I'll just kind of wait him out. Um, again, not knowing the topography, you know, I didn't realize, I just didn't realize it was actually like a gully. Uh, on, the, on the map, it looks like it's like a creek bottom. It's like a little roll, you know, between two fields. or just a little, little dip right there. And I let him shut up, and I packed my bag. My blind, I got the blind, I got two decoys, I got a bow, I got camera gear. So it took me about 15 minutes, 10 minutes to pack up. I walked 80 yards into this, the tip of that thumb-shaped field, and I'm like, oh, shoot. I should have set up here. This makes perfect sense now. It's just more It's just more flat in that area. It's more conducive for strutting. It's more of a natural area for them to be sitting uh, and in displaying themselves and to it, it you know and so i'm like shit so i set up there i'm like i'll just wait him out and he'll come back through here eventually it might be nine ten o'clock but usually that's what you know usually i'm way more patient than than the average guy because i've i've bow hunted these birds for so long and that's you really can't be moving around that much. And so I saw maybe I was only set up maybe 15 minutes and I was like, you know what? He just gobbled twice and he sounds like he's put the boots on. He sounded like he was about 200 yards away and going away more. So I packed my stuff up again and I start I start walking um, towards him and I can see that there's this wooded ridge there. This 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 is like what you want to be in. This is like what you where why you know I'm like oh, okay this all makes sense now. And so I'm like pacing off. I said I'm gonna pace off. I'm gonna just count to a hundred steps. I'm gonna put my blind up on the edge of the timber and the corn. I'm gonna sit there and wait this bird out. And so. I get about 30 yards and I flush a hen. I'm like, oh boy. So I freeze. And then another hen comes running by me. And I'm like, and she putts. And I'm like, great. This is not good. It's like at that, and at that moment, he realized he messed up. 
try not to swear on here as much. I, I don't know who's listening, and I, I mean, I just that's just how I normally talk. But I'm, I'll try to mitigate that. <laughs> so, um, it just happens sometimes, and you know, I am who I am. I'm not gonna like try to like completely censor a podcast out because if we were having a conversation, I definitely would probably I swear a few times. But so I, I, uh, I don't, I don't even. Then at this point, I just was just like. I don't even know. The only thing I thought about doing was calling. So I let out a little yelp, and this bird just gobbles literally 40 to 50 yards away. I'm like, well, that was freaking stupid. And then he peeks his head over the hill. I'm standing there. I got a blind on my back. I got pink feathers, fletchings on my arrows. I got no face mask on. So the gig was up. So I don't even really know what to make of that like I I kept walking a little bit more just to see like how how I misinterpreted the distance and he was down in this gully that like I had to like look down like it was probably like 40 probably 50 yards down at like a 30 degree angle and I don't know if he was just facing away or what he was doing but I uh I really messed that one up. I, I mean, nobody, I don't think anyone's really hunting there, so I may go back up there and try to kill them um, and give them a few days. But uh, and, and just be way less aggressive. Like, maybe just put the deeks out and not even call. If he's roosted where he's roosted, just put the deeks out and don't even call. Wait for them to show up, um, at least for a while. And, um, you know, that's a good strategy. I think people call too early. They call too much. Um, I've gotten a lot better at it. You know, I definitely don't call the birds on the roost anymore. Um, you know, I wait till well after daylight where you know that, you know, I also don't call back every time he gobbles. You know, I, I just, certain things I've learned over the years and it's hard to, to, to know people ask how many, how, how much you should call. I'm like, I would call half as much as you think and then half of that, you know? Like, if you're sitting there calling, like, as a verb, like, that's what you're just doing. You're calling. You're letting calls out. You know, there's you're not working a bird. That's different. That's a whole different thing that kind of can't really be taught. But if you're sitting there calling to try to get one to answer, you know, um, then you've got to you just don't really call that much. I mean, it's the same thing with duck hunting. You like, you hear people, you know, they, they, um, you hear people talk about, I'm trying to get gas, but it's close. I'm over here. I don't even know where I am. Somewhere in Illinois. You hear people talk about, uh, you see people duck hunting. You ever been duck hunting before? And, like, the person you're with or, like, down the shoreline is, like, they think they're at, like, the Grand National Championships. Like, ducks don't do that. <laughs> you can go sit at a swamp and you'll, I mean, they make, you know, but do they highball, like, at a level that's going to blow your eardrums out? No. Turkeys don't either. You would hear them. If turkey, if hen turkeys called as much as humans called, as it, as being a hen turkey, then 
you would hear them. You'd be sitting there hunting, and all morning long, you would hear, but they don't. So they are a social animal, and I think that they are well overcalled, way or way overcalled. I think that um, I think that uh, you know it's they hear the sounds and they'll make their way to the area when they get there, and they are a social animal. You know, you don't just see turkeys by themselves unless they're like doing something. Like if you see a hen by itself in the spring, it's like it's doing something. It's going to nest. It's going to sit on the nest. You know, you see toms hanging out together, and I don't know. They're not. A, they're not a. I guess they're not always in a flock, but they're not just like a, a, like a like a bear or something like that. That's just like always by itself unless it has cubs, and so. I just think that they're way overcalled, but not to get too far off topic, because I think I just went way south, possibly. I don't even know. Um, the the you know so I, so I pack up yesterday. I'm like I don't even know which way is up right now. I've got no cell service, so it's not like I can look at my phone and go somewhere else. But I kind of just drove south towards home until I got service. Looked at the map. There's another piece of public that uh, I went to, and again, I looked. I didn't really see. You know, I, when I when I hunt public land, I really don't look for signs of the animal as much as I look for signs of people, because the, the animals are everywhere. I don't care what woodlot I'm hunting. I mean, you can kill it. There's deer everywhere. There's bucks everywhere. There's turkeys everywhere. So. I, I mean, people think, like, I, I've had people tell me, well, I don't have any bucks on my property or turkeys. It's like, okay, sure. That's like, you have woods, though. So what are the turkeys? They're like, hey, we're not going to go here. This guy, we're, we, we, the, the line stops here, guys. Like, we're not going to go on your property. I had somebody, I've had people tell me they don't have turkeys or they don't have big bucks or they don't have deer. Like, it's just, it, to me, it's just, like, physically impossible. The catch is when they're there. They're, they're, they're there, they do, they're, they're everywhere. It's woods, you know what I mean? But the timing that you may, you might be, the timing that they come through may be different than your timing of actually hunting. You might not be hunting at the right times. And, and that might be the right time during the day or the right time during the year. But anyway, I go to this piece of public. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up on top of this flat and I'm going to set up and just sit there and right off the bat I had two birds gobbling at just letting off sounds uh, not close at all and I um, <clears throat> didn't know what to do because God, it's hot in this truck. didn't know what to do so I stayed put and then I started dozing off, and I was like, you know, this ain't really going to be a smart idea if I'm just dozing off. Let me let me pack up, and it's like either and, – and try to get this one bird to gobble I know was closer than the other. So I pack up, I walk about 200 yards, and I call nothing. And then, and then like, as I'm standing there, he does gobble, but, it like, it was at crows. I was like, okay. That wasn't too far off. So I'm like, all right, I'll just walk down here in the timber 
make my way down, I'll find a good spot. Well, that's a lot easier said than done with a ground blind. Again, the ground blind, the camera, the bow, you know, you're kind of looking for more of a flat spot. You're kind of looking for more of an area than just if I was to sit up against a tree, you know, with or without a decoy and a gun, you know, this is like where I'm kind of realizing, I'm like, man, this is just really against the odds. And if you've ever been to Northern Iowa or Ohio, you know, it just, it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And it's just constant, just little drainages and fingers. And there's really no, in some spots, true flat ridges, like a big oak ridge that you, that you, that we've all seen. And so I'm like, well, whatever, this is it, you know, cause he gobbled, then he gobbled two more times and he was closing the distance. And I was like, you know what, if it's meant to be, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. So I find this little flat opening on this finger and, um, I let out two calls. He, he started answering and I just see him about 200 yards away making his way down this hill. And I'm like, all right, game on. This is going to be a breeze, right? And and so I shut up and didn't call. Well, then he, he shut up too and never came over the hill. Like he was, there was like a, kind of like a little valley, like a drain, like a, a dry creek bed. You know, like a, it was like a bottom. And we're basically across from each other at this point. I see him go down into the bottom, never comes back up, and then lets out one gobble going away from me. And that was it. And I was like, you know what? It's 1 o'clock. You know, I I don't the, – the, the heat just isn't enjoyable for me. So at that point, it was already getting up in the upper 60s, you know, and the high of 70 yesterday. So I just said, you know what? Scratch this. Um, I'm, uh, I'm just going to call it for the day. But, um, so that's my three days, oh, three, yeah, three days in, uh, in Iowa. It's been great. It looks a lot like the Catskills, and the Catskills is where I really got my feet wet hunting. And, um, it's going to be a good season. I think, I think I'll go back and try to kill that public land bird. You know, I tried to get those Magnus bullheads to fly out of my bowl, and I, you know, that was the goal this year. You know, you have the, the, the word I've come up with is resilience. If, if you're going to shoot turkeys and if you're going to shoot turkeys with a bow, you have to be resilient and just really take what comes, you know, because you can scout turkeys. And, and I've done this back home in New York where I had spots. I've done this in Maryland. You're like, okay, this is going to be easy. I saw them last night, saw them yesterday morning. You know, you're, I'm going to make a move on them. And they just do the opposite. So you have to be really resilient. And, I mean, in life you have to be resilient. And so I, I buy these arrows for these Magnus bullheads. And it's a long story. I couldn't get them to fly. I called the owner, and his name is Mike. And we start talking about these bullheads and deer hunting and all this stuff. It was a great conversation. He's like, dude, I think you're underspined. Uh, okay, so I go buy more arrows. They're still underspined. So, you know, it's a huge learning curve for me to realize how 
flexible an uncut arrow is. Like a full-length shaft, a 340, a, a 300 even, out of my bow at my draw length, it's like throwing a wet noodle. You know, it's like shooting a wet noodle. So, long story short, the, the Magnus Bullhead goal is going to have to wait till next year. Um, I'm going to order some probably 250 spine shafts. You know, nobody carries those around here. I'm like, you know what? I need to be confident when I'm going into the woods. So I kind of just x it. I did get bullet holes and good flight out of my deer hunting arrows, which I, you know, I, you know, knew I would. And, um, you know, so my hat's off to them at the Magnus for listening to me. <laughs> asking questions even though I watched the video on how to tune the Magnus bullheads. And so next year, you know, I might I thought about even buying an old bow, like an old fifty five pound bow, like a Hoyt X Tacker, I don't even know, just an old bow for a couple hundred bucks and just keep it set up for that because, you know, I'm only gonna be wanting to shoot twenty yards and less with those bullheads. And so I might just get something like that that's just gonna be a good uh good bow to have but next year you can bet your ass i'm going to be i'm going to have those magnus bullheads in tune but for now i have a half a dozen fmjs for sale if anybody wants them they're 340s full-length shafts but um i'd like to hear if anybody else has been out leave leave a message leave a comment you know some of you guys i stay in touch with you know i don't really even know who all listens to this um you know, again, check me out, Prodigy Outdoors on Instagram, Facebook, Tim Cool on Instagram, Facebook as well. Uh, again, I am Tim Cool, and I am the host of Prodigy Outdoors, and I'm glad that you took the time to listen. Hope you guys stay safe and uh, enjoy the spring. <laughs>